Welcome into the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Mana. Happy Solo Shot Saturday, everybody. Over another hundred solo shots added to the tracker this week. It has been a phenomenal week in Major League Baseball. And I had to start with this, even though the news cycle is quick. A lot of people have already covered it. But in the Cleveland White Sox series at the beginning of the week, Pimpit Tim Anderson, a player who was once on top of the baseball world as one of the swaggiest players in the game with his bat drops, hitting a walk-off home run at the Field of Dreams, winning a batting title, being an all-star. He is now one of the worst players that plays every day in Major League Baseball. Took him until August to hit his first home run of the season. And you're just looking at him as a potential bounce-back candidate for next year. But something that didn't bounce was his decision to throw hands with Cleveland star Jose Ramirez after applying a late and aggressively hard tag on Ramirez. Ramirez did not like that. He has told Anderson multiple times that he does not like that tenacity at the second base spot. And what does Tim Anderson do? Instead of just arguing back and forth, he drops his glove and he squares up like a hockey fight. And Jose Ramirez, despite having White Sox players all over him, gets in the amazing punch. There's been so many great edits of this. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. The call was legendary. Jose Ramirez, I said he was going to win the American League MVP this year and kind of cement himself into like that next echelon like Paul Goldschmidt did. And he's having a phenomenal year. He's not going to win MVP. But man, this punch will be remembered for a long time. And it's funny because Elvis Andrews was playing shortstop for the two biggest punches in the Baseball recent memory. Rugnet Odor socking Jose Bautista at second base. Elvis Andrews was the shortstop there. And Elvis Andrews was the shortstop for the White Sox when Jose Ramirez took Tim Anderson down. Now, suspensions have been handed out to both players. Anderson getting the heavier one for inciting the fight. And then his reaction on Twitter afterwards. It was not a great showing. I feel bad for him. He was expecting to get traded somewhere. He needs a change of scenery. And, you know, the talent's there, but it's going to be a lot to come back from mentally struggling the way he is on the field and now struggling with his image off the field with former teammates' comments about him as well as this whole fight and aftermath that he was just tweeting over on X about. Did not look good. Had to delete a lot of his thoughts afterwards. He's going to be getting a lot of hate, and it's going to take a lot for him to come back from this. I hope he does, because when he is playing well, he's one of the more fun shortstops in the game. But iconic moment, the Jose Ramirez picture with the boxing gloves that his agent took and posted the next day. That's my uh, screensaver on my phone. I am just super excited. Um, for J-Ram finally getting some publicity nationally as a guy who I said at the beginning of the year when I picked him to win MVP, 
He has been one of the best players in baseball. He's been called underrated for so long that is he really underrated anymore? Is he just under talked about? And Jose Ramirez having an amazing season slugging for the Guardians and having an amazing boxing record on the season as well. Had to cover that. But the real news out of the American League is the Mariners are making some noise, a team that I picked to make the postseason as a wild card. I thought that the Rangers were going to be improved and the Astros are still the cream of the crop in the American League. But I thought the Mariners were going to be able to go back-to-back years with a playoff appearance. And the first half of the season did not give me a lot of hope. Robbie Ray needing Tommy John surgery. The bats just not hitting. Then at the deadline, they sell a few pieces. They sell their closer, Paul Seawald, and they sell a few other minor pieces, but they kept the core intact. They didn't trade guys like Teoscar Hernandez or Ty France or Eugenio Suarez, who has played every single game for the Mariners this season. They stuck this core together and said, hey, this team made the playoffs last year. We added to it. We believe in our pitching to turn it around. And man, have they been rewarded so far, especially in the month of August. Only the Dodgers have a better record this month. And if you're looking just purely at who they're playing, they're taking care of business. This isn't the Rangers winning streak of eight games when they're doing it against the Oakland Athletics and the Chicago White Sox. This is playing against teams that are in a similar spot, fringe playoff teams taking care of business against Toronto, against Minnesota, against Arizona, and now finally against teams that they're really just fighting against, the Angels and the Padres. Teams that have so many expectations have bought in, did not sell at the deadline. They added, and they're losing to the Mariners because the Mariners' lineup is finally starting to hit. Cal Rally is one of the best pitch framers in baseball, but... He's a sneaky 20 home run catcher, both last year and now this year. Julio Rodriguez is having one of the quietest 2030 seasons you'll ever see. And you just look around. This Mariners team can hit well enough because they have Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, and George Kirby at the top of the rotation. Even with Robbie Ray gone, they've gotten quality starts out of Brian Wu and a cast of other characters. This team is legit. Logan Gilbert, 12K career high. This team is making a real push for the postseason. And I'm just super happy for those fans in Seattle. They had that playoff drought for so long. I was rooting for them last year. The Cal Rally home run to send them to the postseason last year was one of the season's best moments. The call was great. The moment was great. Celebration after was great. And this Mariners team that disappointed a lot of people, me included in the first half, a team that hosted the All-Star game without many All-Stars, a team that was looking like they might have to sell at the All-Star break. They sold a couple pieces, but they kept the core together and they're being rewarded because they know they have the talent on this roster to make the postseason. And despite the two Texas teams in front of them, They are really starting to put themselves in a position where they're a serious wild card team. And that's really awesome to see for the sport. I think Seattle is a great baseball city. They hosted the all-star game with grace, despite their team not being super well, despite them not having a lot of all-stars. 
And you saw how electric they were for Jose, uh, for Julio Rodriguez in the home run derby. They can be even more electric hosting some postseason games. I'm just super excited for Mariners fans everywhere. And honestly, it's just amazing to see the Seattle team coming together like this and not saying die. There's so many teams in the American League that are in it, that are talented, but most of them don't have the pitching depth that Seattle has. And I think that's going to kind of really put them into another tier if they can keep up this winning streak that they're doing, winning all these series against teams that aren't gimmies. Definitely aren't gimmies. There are other teams that also need to win these series. So I value that a lot more than what Texas is doing. They're a well-oiled machine in Texas. I'm one of the first people on that bandwagon. But the Mariners are making noise, and I don't think enough people are talking about it because there's so many teams that are in the mix right now. But the Mariners, man, it is super fun. And if they get into a postseason, getting Castillo, Gilbert, and Kirby thrown at you, there's not many teams that can match that. Speaking of pitching, Michael Lorenzen goes long. Yes, Michael Lorenzen, the guy who only started pitching full-time on a regular basis in 2018, was looked at as the fringiest of all stars, a guy who was getting a lot of crap because he played for the Tigers and the Tigers are a bad team. And he got the all-star nod. I was happy for him. Get that experience. You're having a good season, maybe not top tier, but he got a lot of flack for the team that he plays on. And the pitching market during the deadline was strong. Michael Lorenzen gets moved to the Philadelphia Phillies. He has a very good first start on the road before a citizen bank debut with his son, with his mom in attendance goes the distance 124 pitches thrown and they let him stay in there and throw the no hitter against the Washington nationals, man. It was awesome. The defensive plays that were made for him, great reads on the ball by all of his outfielders. He only struck out five batters, but it was truly awesome to watch a guy who hadn't been pitching full-time, was given a lot of flack for being an all-star, was traded, and some people said the Phillies gave up too much for Michael Lorenzen. And for him to come over and make history, the 15th pitcher in Phillies history to throw a no-hitter, it was amazing to watch and I'm super happy for Michael Lorenzen and for the sport of baseball. I've been seeing a lot of people on X other podcasts, national sports shows talking about how the no hitter has kind of lost its luster, how you don't remember exactly where you were when a no hitter was thrown. And I'll agree with you when it comes to the combined no hitters. Don't get me wrong. That combined no hitter in the World Series last year by the Astros will be remembered forever because it's a no-hitter in the freaking World Series. But when you look around the sport of baseball, no-hitters are a lot more common than they once were, partially because of the hitter's approach at the plate. 
trying to launch the ball. But it's still an accomplishment that doesn't happen very often, and for a lot of guys, doesn't happen in their entire career. I understand Framber Valdez threw a near-perfect game no-hitter just about a week ago. And that was an honestly more impressive pitching performance than Mike Lorenzen. But in the year of 2023, getting the confidence from your manager, Rob Thompson, who hasn't been working with you for a long time, to go out there in that ninth inning to throw 124 pitches in a Major League Baseball game in the modern day, when does that happen outside of maybe the postseason? And to get the job done. Light contact. It's just truly special. I know chicks dig the long ball. Everybody wants offense and excitement. So when these non-Hall of Fame pitchers throw these no-hitters, people are like, oh, that's cool. Maybe I tune in for the last inning. But the no-hitter in itself, I don't care what pitcher you are, what lineup you're facing. This is the major leagues. And the fact that you're able to allow no hits against a major league lineup, it don't matter. It's historic. So congratulations to Michael Lorenzen getting to do that in front of all his new Philadelphia fans, many of which that were in attendance that will remember that game for the rest of their lives. Michael Lorenzen's family in attendance. It was beautiful seeing his mom's reaction. And man, this Phillies team, it's getting hot at the right time, just like they did last year, going into the postseason. And this is a team that I could see going on a run. They have the bullpen. They have the lineup. Bryce Harper was picking it at first base for crying out loud. This Phillies team has some magic to it. And this no-hitter, I think, is just a microcosm of the things to come from the Philadelphia baseball team. So congratulations, Michael Lorenzen, Phillies fans, soak it in, baseball fans. It doesn't matter who it is. If there's a no-hitter thrown by a single pitcher, it should be celebrated. Here on the show for third base, we like to throw it back to a time in baseball history on this date where something awesome happened, whether it's a Hall of Fame player, a historic baseball moment, or just a personal favorite of mine, which today's will be. But there's a lot of amazing stuff that happened on August 12th in Major League Baseball history. Now, Hall of Famer Napoleon Lajouet made his Major League debut going one for five in 1896. That's pretty special. Hall of Fame inductions happen for the likes of Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, Harmon Killebrew, and so many others. Retirement tours were being made for Craig Biggio, Stan Musial. But my personal favorite, and one of these games that I still remember to this day, was on this date in 2008, the Boston Red Sox put up 10 runs in the first inning against the Texas Rangers. Scott Feldman of the Rangers was the first pitcher in 90 years to give up 12 runs in a game and not be handed the loss because 
the Texas Rangers came back with eight runs in the fifth and five runs in the seventh to take a 15 to 14 lead. The Red Sox ended up winning later on thanks to a three run home run by Kevin Euclid, winning the game 19 to 17. Truly was an offensive classic. David Ortiz hit two three-run home runs in that 10-run first inning. Two home runs and six RBIs at the very start of the game. Kevin Euclid had two home runs and five RBIs driven in. Dustin Bedroya got an RBI. Jed Lowry, J.D. Drew on the Texas side of things. Ian Kinsler had four RBIs. Chris Davis, more so known for his Baltimore Orioles days, four RBIs. Marlon Byrd drove in three. Josh Hamilton got in on the action. This was an offensive explosion. It tied the American League record for runs scored in a game. It was a masterpiece. 36 runs in a baseball game. Are you kidding me? I remember this still to this day. And when I saw that it landed on August 12th, I had to talk about it, especially going to Fenway later today which is a nice segue into home plate here. Miggy's final Fenway trip. So as a lot of you know, last year it fell perfectly on the weekend of my birthday, but Albert Pujols and the St. Louis Cardinals came to Fenway for the first time since 2017 during Albert Pujols retirement tour. And I went up with two of my good friends to catch a game on my birthday and see Albert Pujols play in person one last time in front of the Fenway faithful. They had a great service to him, giving him a five from the Green Monster. David Ortiz was in attendance. And of course, Michael Waka, his former teammate, and Xander Bogarts, his friend, were there to present that to him. Really great moment. Got to see him bat. And in the powder blue Cardinals jerseys that I love so much. It was a truly special baseball moment. But when you look at players that are hanging it up, whether it was in 2008, Craig Biggio on his way out, a 3,000 hit player, Stan Musial in 1963, ending his career with the most hits in National League history, one of the greatest hitters to ever play. When you get the opportunity to watch a player, Just soak it in. Whether it's the first time you're going to watch a player or the last time, I don't think that we really know kind of the line from Andy from The Office. We don't really know that it's the good times until they're gone. And me growing up in this era of the 2000s baseball, the three greatest hitters I'd ever seen play baseball live and on TV. David Ortiz, Albert Pujols, and Miguel Cabrera. He's one of seven players in Major League Baseball history with over 500 home runs and over 3,000 hits. He's a living legend, a first ballot Hall of Famer, the first player since Karl Yastrzemski in 1967 to hit for the Triple Crown in a season. Miggy is baseball royalty. And the fact that the Tigers are coming to town one last time 
for me to go see Miguel Cabrera, it was a no-brainer. I'm super excited. The summer's been busy for me. I haven't been able to go catch a game at Fenway yet. But to go and see Miguel Cabrera play one last time, I don't care that Tigers-Red Sox is a couple teams that are in third, fourth place in their divisions. This is going to be awesome. I get to see Brian Bayo on the mound, the Red Sox young ace, and I get to see Miguel Cabrera and the Tigers. Some good young players there, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green especially. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and that's really what baseball is all about. It's America's pastime. You remember these moments, whether it's being there for a no-hitter, being there for a 36-run game, or just getting to watch one of your favorite players or one of the best players of your era for the first or last time. And I think everybody should just soak that in. If you have an opportunity to catch Miguel Cabrera on TV or at your local ballpark, even if you have to drive a state or two over like I am, go do it. You're not going to regret it. It's a truly beautiful thing. And when Miguel Cabrera gets inducted into Cooperstown in five years, I'm always going to have the memory of going to see him at Fenway one last time after getting to see him play there a few times over the years. I appreciate everybody who's in the chat, who spent part of your Saturday with me. It means the world. For more baseball content, go and follow me on the app formerly known as Twitter, at DominicMana44, as well as TikTok at SoloShotSports for daily home run updates, as well as probably some content from this Red Sox-Tigers game that I'm going to be seeing later today. I hope you guys enjoy your Solo Shot Saturday, another beautiful weekend of baseball, and I will catch you guys next week. Have a good one.